Um, I, I found this uh, this little letter on the uh, internet last night that I, I thought was pretty fascinating, and I wanted to share it with you. It's uh, a girl writing to her uh, ex-fiance, and she writes this. She says, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Janet. P.S. Congratulations on winning the $100 million state lottery. (laughs) I'll bet she loves him. Um, and before I get into the message this morning, uh, last week, as, as an analogy, I often draw from real-life experiences when I, when I preach and teach, and had the analogy last week of, you know, people saying they'll do one thing and doing something else, or you think you're getting something, you're getting something else, and I shared the story of how Debbie and I had just picked up a new minivan for Deb, with all the grandkids and stuff like that, and uh, one of the options that I had ordered on the minivan was a towing package, and upon receiving the minivan all I got was a bag of wires <laughs> and uh you know for 600 bucks and apparently you know there was a battery and, and a bigger battery and more cooling or something anyway that's that was it there was no anything some guys were saying now you now you mean they didn't they just gave you that square hole no nothing jack squat nothing and uh, so I persecuted them made fun of them but uh, uh but if I'm gonna pick on them when they make it right gotta let them know that they made it right so they called me yesterday and said they were gonna put in the whole deal for free. Hallelujah. <laughs> My wife says, you know, nobody's going to sell us a car anymore if you don't stop that. <laughs> oh no, here they come. <laughs> uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about how you can know the will of God for your life. And I'm going to be sharing how uh, we process knowing what God's will is for us here at the church I want to read to you from Proverbs, uh, great scripture, you should all have this memorized, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now the first thing I want you to know about the will of God, and as soon as you talk about it, people start thinking, yeah, okay, what, what should I do? What should I do? I need to know what I need to do what job I should have or what school I should go to or what you know that kind of stuff the first thing you have to really understand about the will of God is that's the smallest part of it the greatest part of the will of God really has to do more with you what's happening on the inside of you than in what you should do if I were to give a wild guess about the percentage I'd say it's 90 10 might be bigger than that what you do isn't quite as important to God as in who you are and what's happening on the inside of you. Um, God uh, can work out the grand scheme of life pretty well with or without you. <laughs> what he's really the most concerned about is in here. Uh, we read in Colossians where Paul wrote, he says, To them, talking about believers, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, which means non-believers, Uh, The glorious riches of this mystery. What mystery is he talking about? The mystery that says, is is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This incredible thing, God inside of you, living inside of you, on the inside of you, transforming your life 
from the inside out. You see, Christianity is very different than any other religion in the world. All other religions pretty much are about getting it right on the outside so you can become holy on the inside. We need, you need to do this and you need to pray these prayers. You need to punish yourself in this way or discipline yourself in this way or meditate in this way. And it's all about the externals trying to get in. And sadly, I say there's a great many uh, people who practice the Christian faith who still view it in those terms. They're trying to uh, get holy from the outside in. Trying to do things right on that. Hoping that somehow they'll become holy on the inside. As a result of what they're practicing or praying. Or because they're kneeling. or You know what? Sacrificing. All these kind of things. Kind of trying to earn God's grace to the inside. And you need to understand that true Christianity is exactly the opposite. We are the upside down religion. What really happens is God changes you first from the inside. He comes and he forgives you of your sins and makes you holy inside like that by faith. And then we work that out to the outside. It still matters what you do. I mean, either way. But there's a fundamental, huge difference in the approach here. If you're trying to earn your way to God by doing things, you'll never get there. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. There's nothing you can do. You can only get it by God's grace, by trusting in Jesus Christ. By putting your hope and faith in him, asking him for forgiveness, coming into your life. Boom! Something happens on the inside of you. And now it starts changing you from the inside out. That is the will of God. That's God's greatest concern concerning you. Um, Remember when we we were kind of talking about this a a few months ago when I was teaching uh, from the book of Ephesians. where And I went through uh, just a couple of little chapters in Ephesians and, and made a list of all the things that God wants us to do. And, and you notice that none of it had anything to do with what to do so much as in how to live and how to be on the inside. I won't go through the whole list again, but I'll go through a little list of it, summarizing. Here's some of the things they talked about. About, you know, telling the truth, stopping all bitterness, be nice, forgive people, live a life of love, don't be greedy, make the most of every opportunity, live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not booze. Wives, respect your husbands, husbands, love your wives, children, obey your parents, this kind of stuff. It's really the will of God kind of stuff. But we tend to ignore this stuff when it comes to the will of God. Thinking, well, it's got to be, you know, I don't know. I don't don't know. Does he want me to work at Burger King or McDonald's? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But rather than getting hung up on that stuff, you need to understand the biggest bulk of this will of God stuff is about in here. Okay? That's what God is more concerned about than what you do with your hands or what you actually walk out. Now, having said that, At some point, we all must face the question, okay, what am I supposed to do? Well, as long as you keep in context that the biggest bulk of this is about God working in you, and not so much on that, I want to address that this morning, uh, so we can help you in your life and encourage you in your life for your what do I need to do, where do I need to work kind of decisions, uh, and also to kind of explain how the church approaches uh, what we should be doing as a congregation. Now, when it comes to the what to do part of life, my advice is always simply this. If you want to navigate the will of God safely, you have to make sure that all of your navigation references line up. Now, most of you know I'm a pilot. And uh, uh, when I was first learning to fly under instruments, um, it, was, it was a little creepy because what they do is they, they put a hood on you so you can't see outside the plane. So why do they do that? So that... They can train you to fly through clouds or at night in the rain and, you know, you can't see anything. Uh, you know, once you learn this, it doesn't matter what you see. 
you can still get to where you need to go because you're flying under the instruments. And what they train you is, don't fly by how you feel, trust the instruments. And I never quite knew while we were working up to this what they were talking about. I don't know how you feel and stuff. But it is creepy when you first start doing it. And I wish we had the ability to make you all go through the class and, and just take a few hours of flying an airplane like that because what you experience is absolutely amazing. Because you will be flying and you will swear that you are flying straight and level and you feel perfectly, like, like everything's perfectly normal. But when you look at the instruments... It says that you're going off to the left, pointing toward the ground. Now, which do you trust? How you feel? Or the instruments? You learn very quickly as your instructor is screaming at you, pull up, pull up, pull up! That you pay attention to the instruments. And then you can correct, and it's the oddest thing. Now your instruments say that you're flying straight and level, but you are absolutely certain we're going like this. Because everything in you thinks, I mean, it is the weirdest, weirdest feeling. And what they're training you when they're first learning to do this, forget about what you feel. Trust the instruments. And even today, I mean, after 1,500 hours of flying and landing and taking off thousands of times, it's still creepy. When you get in those situations and you can feel like you're one way and everything in your body wants to turn, but you've got to ignore it. Fabulous analogy about faith. Well, now when you're flying instruments and it's, you're in the clouds, you're not sure, you can't see anything, you've got to make sure all the instruments line up. And you don't just trust one of them, you want to make sure they're all agreeing with each other. When I look at my instruments and it says ABC, and I look at the co-pilot's instruments, it should also say ABC. Anything else that we're doing should say ABC, okay? Now, if I'm looking and mine says ABC and his say XYZ, we got ourselves a problem. Say, has that ever happened to you? Yeah, it's real creepy. And then you got to quick find out what happened and fix the problem and stuff because, you know, you don't know what to do. You're you're unsure of yourself. So, um, when you're navigating the will of God in your life, you need to make sure that the instruments are lining up. Now, the instruments that I referred to are three key indicators in your life. One is the Word of God. Number two is the Spirit of God. And number three is the Hand of God. These need to line up. And if they're lining up in your life, you can feel pretty confident that you are doing the right thing. Again, this is the smallest percentage of the will of God stuff in your life. But it's something we all face. What do I do? And you need to get these things to line up. Now let's take a look at the first one. The word of God. Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. The standard, the line that we measure everything in our lives as believers is the Bible. The revealed word of God. And that's where everything starts. Quite frankly, if anything else you're experiencing isn't lining up with that main instrument, there's something wrong over here. For example, if you come to me and you say, you know, pastor, I really feel it's God's will for me to commit adultery. I just feel it in my spirit. Um, and, you know, uh, circumstances just worked out. All of a sudden, this girl just popped into my life. And it just felt right. And I had to be true to how I feel. I don't care if a bunch of angels were all boogalooging and a big marching band from the sky comes following through with a big sign saying, have an, have an affair. You're wrong. Because God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not is pretty clear. That means thou shalt. Not. Okay? 
I don't care what you feel. I don't care what voice spoke to you. I don't care what angel you might have seen. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's all jack squat to me. Because our fundamental standard is God's word. If anything you're thinking or feeling or sensing or having revealed to you goes contrary to revealed biblical principles, you are wrong. It's just that simple. And I have people come to me. I've, I've had stuff like that. You know, well, you know, I just thought it was God's will that we have this affair because it just I felt it in my spirit. I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff I hear. And then other people say, well, you know, Pastor, I just feel God's doing this and God. And then you challenge them. Hey, dude, what you're saying is going against scriptural principles. And then they stumble. And they go, I don't know. I just got to do with what God tells me to do. No. You obey the principles. Why? Because God is not a schizophrenic. He doesn't say, this is how you live life, and then tell you to do something else. Contrary to these principles. Number one, the word. The number one instrument. You've got to follow that. Uh, Number two, the spirit. Now, the spirit of God does speak to people in in a variety of ways. Take a look at this real quickly. In Colossians, it says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now, that word rule is the Greek word which means to play the umpire. And uh, for any of us that watch sports or are involved in sports, know that uh, the only time the umpire should be saying anything, (laughs) I stress should, but should be saying, is when somebody does something wrong. Otherwise, they should just shut up and let the game go on, right? You don't hear about the umpire all the time. Just, boom, just play the game. And when you start doing something wrong, the whistle blows. Ah! Foul. Now, how does that play out in this example? He says, let the spirit of God play the umpire in your heart. If, if, if you feel you're about to make a decision or go a certain direction and something, a bell starts ringing off inside of you and something doesn't feel right, you need to pause. You need to hold. Why? Because the umpire is blowing a whistle on you. And you need to check it out what's wrong. Say, well, I, I sense something. I don't know what it is. Well, then come get some advice. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Pray it through. Don't go just jumping into something if you can sense something is not quite right. Um, uh, that's why it's one of the key indicators. People will say, well, you know, we're going a certain direction, I just feel a peace about it. What are they talking about? They're talking about this verse, you know, that I I feel calm. Again, I have had people who will say to me, I know what we're doing is against the Bible, but I feel a peace about it. That's where they're wrong. I don't care what you feel. But if it's in line with the word and you feel a peace about it, you know that these instruments are starting to line up. God's not blowing the whistle on you. Uh, Jesus says this, Um, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What does this mean? God speaks to people. God still speaks to me. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. Now, does that mean an audible voice? Most likely not. I don't know anyone who has, I guess I've met one or two who says they thought they heard a a voice or whatever, but it's not about an audible voice. There's, there's There's this internal voice on the inside that you sense that it's not you. Everybody knows your own thoughts. You know, we all talk to ourselves all the time. Some of you are thinking right now, I wish you'd shut up and sit down. But to don't listen to that voice. But, uh, you know, we all have these voices in our heads. And so and we, it's our own voices and stuff. But then there's that, wow. You know what I'm talking about? It's, that wasn't me. That was, I mean, it's the only way. You say, what is that? That's, that's God speaking to you. That's Jesus speaking to you. And he says, my, my, my uh, sheep will know my voice. And God will, will direct you like that. If you're not sure sometimes, again, get advice. Christianity is not about lone rangers. Okay? It's not about that. Only Superman can fly. 
Are you hearing me? He's Superman. We cannot fly. Superman can pick us up and it feels like we're flying. Right? Why am I talking about that? I don't know. But uh, uh, it's, just, it's not about everybody doing their own thing. We're all supposed to be part of something. What Pastor Lathan said earlier, we're all part about belonging to one another. That's part of a church community. Not so we have a bunch of lone rangers out there. If you're not sure that maybe God's telling you something or you're not sure about some of these things, figuring out the things of the Spirit, learning about the things of the Spirit, that's where you get advice and, and pray together with people and, and get some wisdom. Uh, and then finally... Uh, in Acts, we, we read this, and we just were talking about this on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study. You ought to come out on Wednesday night's best service of the week. It's absolutely fabulous. But uh, uh, on Wednesday nights, we, we get into the Bible, and we go verse by verse through it, and we're in the book of Acts right now. And we read this. He says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It was an incredible uh, fulfillment of prophecy, because in the Old Testament, up until you know the day of Pentecost, The Spirit of God would come, but it would pretty much just fall on one guy. One person, one individual, one scenario would happen. A a prophet or something would happen. But uh, the prophets prophesied and said, someday the Spirit of God is going to fall on everybody. And everybody, God can use everybody. And they thought, wow, that is wild. When is that going to happen? And it happened on the day of Pentecost. And it's still happening today. The Spirit of God doesn't just talk through me or some hierarchical holy men somewhere. The Spirit of God can speak through everybody who puts their hope and trust in God. That's the incredible miracle of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it says, and they will prophesy. What does that mean? It doesn't mean necessarily telling the future, although that can be part of it. Uh, it's, 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 uh, when the Bible talks of the word prophecy, it, it means a spiritual utterance. It's like speaking, uh, God using you to speak some words. Uh, for example, when I'm preaching to you and, and the Holy Spirit is moving through me and speaking into your life, which I hope is most of the time when I'm preaching and not just rambling, but uh, that, in a sense, is prophesying to you. I'm prophesying to you if I'm speaking to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's why a pastor can get up or somebody up here can be preaching and talking and it's like, man, it just starts hitting you. You know what I'm talking about? And they look at your husband and say, did you tell him what I said earlier? You know, or, or whatever. It's, it's like the guy's reading your mail. You know what I'm talking about? Like, a boom. It's like, how did you know that was in my life? Well, I don't know. I haven't a clue. But God knows, and the Spirit of God will speak to you. Sometimes somebody else will come up to you. It doesn't just have to be a pastor. Someone else will come up to you and say, you know, and say something to you that it's more than just words. You can sense, wow, that was powerful to me. That was. A, have you ever felt like you should say something to somebody and you didn't? You know what I'm talking about? That's the Spirit of God trying to use you to prophesy, to speak under the Spirit of God, to speak into their lives, to encourage them, to warn them, and whatever it is. And let me encourage you, don't not do that. If you feel you should say something, say it. You say, well, I'm just a nobody. Welcome to the club. This is God. The Spirit of God will fall on everybody. And and God can speak to you and in your life uh, using uh, things of the Spirit in this way. And it's absolutely fabulous. Uh, And and it can be very, very encouraging. It also can be confusing. So that's why the Bible says, let the prophet speak. Someone under the anointing of the Spirit speak. But then let the others judge. Something the prophets, most of them, don't like. You know, someone comes along and says, you know, I just really feel it's God's will that you move to Africa. Well, you don't just go sell your house and move to Africa. Okay? Now, maybe they're foretelling something. Maybe all of a sudden someone says to you, I feel like I want to move to Africa. And you think, boy, this guy's nuts. And then, um, then next week your boss says, you know, we're opening up a new plant in Africa. And I want to send you there. You know, wow. 
that's cool. All of a sudden that makes sense, you see. And it's like God's way of lining up the instruments. And you can start feeling safe. And then somebody knocks on your door. I'd really like to buy your house. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? This is how you know the will of God. Because that's the hand of God, which is the next point. The hand of God is when circumstances come in and they start lining up. Uh, Jesus said this. He said to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds, Jesus says. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Now, this is circumstances. This is the hand of God. This is when God starts opening and closing doors according to your will. And I got to tell you, in my life, when it comes to The doing part, what should I do? This is pretty much the biggest factor for me. Always has been in my life. I don't just run off half-cocked because I feel something inside or somebody prophesies to me or something else like that or some preacher says something to me. Now that can all be part of the lining up process that makes it feel safe when the door comes open. But it's when those doors start opening in my life. And as I travel around the country, you know, and I'm being interviewed all the time, radio and television stuff and Christian stations, and, and I, I almost always get this question. Well, when did God speak to you to start ministering to couples? And I always go, well, he never did. I never heard anything. I never heard, hey, Mark, go minister to couples. You know? It's like when we first moved to Stevens Point. People said, man, we're so glad God spoke to you to move to Stevens Point. I said, really? He didn't. How do you know to go? Because it was our only option. <laughs> it's true. God, in my life, God has always led me by slamming shut every door and window in the house, opening one door, and then lighting the house on fire. <laughs> Suddenly, I feel led. <laughs> you know? There were claw marks all the way from Green Bay to Stevens Point. We didn't want to go. Ah! Why'd you go? There was nothing else open to us. My wife said, can we go anywhere else? I said, I don't know where else to go. And we tried. Every door slammed shut. As it turned out, it was a fabulous experience. It was wonderful, life-changing for me. And actually helped bring it to where we come here. And we're still connected to that church there. And uh, it was all part of the will of God. Same thing with the couples thing. I said, well, how, how did you start working with couples? One day... Uh, when I was on staff here uh, about seven years ago or so, uh, Pastor Arnie walked into the, into the staff meeting. There were about 12 of us, 14, whatever. And he said, we need somebody to work with couples. Who wants to work with couples? And no hands went up. And, and I went, that was it. That was it. No divine revelation. You say, well, how do you know that it's God's will for you? Because all of a sudden, the hand of God starts opening doors and giving you favor and success in a certain area. Now, typically, anyone who takes over a couple's ministry in a church is thrilled if you can get 20 couples to show up. You can get 10 couples, 8 couples to show up, 12 couples to show up. Man, you're rocking and rolling. We got a couple of ministries. It was fabulous. We had, you know, 14 people there. It's amazing. Well, when we started, and some of you were here when we started doing this, and if you remember, we would have a meeting and 350 of you would show up. And pack out rooms and stuff like that. And it's like, holy cow. (laughs) Pastor Arnie at one point said to me, you know, you ought to really consider doing this more often. (laughs) And just, you know, those kind of, and, and to this day, I'm stunned that people come listen to me when I talk on this subject. And you know what? I think I'm brilliant on many subjects. 
I do. I think I'm one of the most insightful people I know personally. <laughs> but nobody cares. All the only ones who care is you. Because you're stuck here. You got to listen to me. You know, I can teach on the will of God and nobody in the world cares. I can talk about, you know, this, that, and about faith and nobody in the world cares. When I talk about couples, all of a sudden everybody cares. So I think, that must be the will of God. You know, and I tried quitting doing it. When we first went to point, I said, well, this must be what God wants us to do. Let's stop doing this couple. We had three events left. So instead of killing ourselves trying to fill the events, let's just finish them out and get them done with. Came to the first event. It was in Appleton. The place was sold out. Couldn't get another soul in the building. I thought, holy cow. Went the next week. We went to Wasa. The place, it could only seat 400 people. 430 people sh- showed up. They had no chairs even. They had to stand along the wall. The next, very next place uh, in Rockford, Illinois. It was far away from home. And that place was full. And I thought, man, what in the world is going on? Then a few weeks later, some businessman calls up and says, I'll back you financially to whatever you need if you want to go out and minister to couples. I finally said, okay. <laughs> I guess let's do this for a while. Okay, why? It's called the hand of God. God starts putting things together and opening doors. Now, when all these things line up, if you know the word of God lines up, and certainly his word t- tells us to teach and instruct and help people in ways of righteousness, so that works. You know, in my heart, Felt good, peace, and then all of a sudden doors start opening up. I feel confident. This is the will of God for me. And God certainly knows how to change my attention. Just slam a few doors shut and, you know, that's the way it works. So uh, when you get these things, three things lining up, it, it, it's fabulous. You feel so comfortable in, uh, in, in doing that instead of forcing things. Now, let me give you a summary now about where we are as a church. Because last fall, we announced that we were going to be expanding the church because we thought the church was going to start filling up pretty soon, which, look around you, uh, it's exactly, it's been like this for quite some time now, and not only here, but there's hundreds of people down in the cafe, because they can't all get in here, and, uh, and so we're, we're jammed out, so we thought, well, let's go start a campus in Appleton, well, does the word line up with that? Absolutely, Jesus said, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, so we know it's consistent with the Bible to, to reach out and win new people to Christ, uh, we certainly felt good in our hearts, you know, as far as the spirit of God and stuff. And, and uh, so all we were waiting for now were some doors to open. And you'll remember when I first announced Appleton, I said, there's a Lutheran church over there that said, we can come there. We can use their building for like, like $250 a week. Or, I mean, it was nothing. That included utilities. That was unreal. And, uh, and we thought, well, this is great. We just thought, fabulous. This is God opening a door for us. Okay. Well, that was the pastoral leadership. Unfortunately, they're part of an organization that what really matters is the committee. So when it got to the committee, they shot us down in flames. So all of a sudden, the door slammed shut in our face. Well, well, then maybe we'll try and do something else in Apple. Then we started looking around. And then all of a sudden, ding, ling, 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 ling. Somebody uh, came to us who has this fabulous church in Shano. She thought, Shano, why would we go to Shano? But, uh, you know, I always look for these doors. And I come, and they have this beautiful church. It is, it's gorgeous. It really is gorgeous. It's one of the prettiest small churches I've ever seen in my life. And this place would easily uh, minister to 200 to 400 people. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And they have everything. Everything. They have everything that you need from nursery all the way up to the whole. You could have a service in there in the next 30 minutes. Everything is there. The sound, the chair, everything. And it's beautiful. And they said, we want to give this to you. So that you can open a campus here. And we thought, cool. So I see hand of God, right? 
Well, and then about the same time as that, another church uh, closer to here said, uh, we have a facility. We're thinking, you know, we would like to turn this facility over to you guys so you can open up a campus here. And I went, oh, this is fabulous. And then my goofy brother, Eddie, you know him, <laughs> says to me, he says, we're thinking about turning our campus down there into a celebration campus, joining you guys. So, and if you remember about a month and a half ago, I said to you guys, boy, if you guys knew what was going on, some fabulous stuff. I just can't tell you right now because all the details hadn't, quit, hadn't quite come through. Well, so we're going along. All of a sudden, we find out there's a slight detail with the Shano Church. About $700,000 in debt. Came with it. And we went, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, isn't there some way we can reduce that? And they're, they're just, the only way they would give it to us is if we assumed the whole debt. Well, that's, you know, that's a lot of money. Particularly when you figure a congregation of two, three hundred in Shano, is it's a smaller town, that's a lot of debt for a small congregation like that. You know, you need to have a congregation of five hundred or plus before you can even start handling some of those kind of things. So we we just felt like the door was slamming shut. And then the other church, um, all of a sudden, they decided, now we're not going to do that for now. We're we're, we're going to do something else. So that door kind of slammed shut. And even Goofy Eddie, when I went to see him a couple of weeks ago, they decided they're doing something else. So all of a sudden, boom, 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 slam, 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 slam. And it's like, wow. Well, what do we do now? Because we need to do something. I mean, look, you can't grow anymore. We're packed out here. Even in the first service, it's amazing how full that has gotten. And, and uh, so this is the challenge before us. So um, you hear us talking about, we might do this. Or might, people say, well, whatever happened to Appleton? This is what's happening. All of a sudden, all these doors started slamming shut in our face. So now we are considering, after much prayer and looking at everything else, we're considering, well, maybe what we should do is open a west side campus, west side of Green Bay. Something that's not quite so far away. We can still staff it from here. But some really nice facility over on the far west side uh, and allow some expansion there. Some of you have to drive way over here. You can just go right there. It would work out pretty well. So that's kind of our current plan. However, we still need God to open some doors for us. And, and, and if it, at times it seems like we don't quite know what we're doing. It's only because we don't quite know what we're doing. <laughs> That's all. Now that's not to freak you out. It's just that's faith. faith. Man, if you always knew exactly what was going to happen and where to go, where's faith? Faith is, you know, you're not quite sure what's down there or how far you got to go. And hopefully when you get there, there's not spiders and snakes and stuff sitting down there. I mean, you're, you're not quite sure. You're walking by faith. So we're, we're kind of letting all the navigation stuff line up. The only thing we're waiting is for these final things. Now, it looks like we have some cool opportunities over there that might be God pulling the circumstances together for us so that we can launch all that kind of stuff. We will keep you posted, okay? I just want you to know we are moving forward. But we're not going to just force something for the sake of forcing something. We want to make sure that it's right. And God's a big boy. And he can open and close the doors that need to be open and closed for us to pull this thing off. I do know this. That the problem that we're having is such an incredible blessing. There are 400, over 400,000 churches in America this morning meeting. And I promise you, the vast majority of them are not having the problem of too many people coming. And we're excited about what God... And this is happening, not because I'm so cute. <laughs> Although I would come just for that. <laughs> okay? It's not just because the band sounds cool. It's, not, it's God is doing something here. 
You can't just manufacture these things. When it comes to people putting their faith and willing to join hands with you and say, let's do something. This is God is doing something here. And, and that's what a lot of you are sensing and feeling. And I've talked to so many of you who've just started coming in the last year. Who, who've said, you know, we started coming and there's something different here. I can sense something. Something fabulous is happening. And we believe that God is doing an incredible, wonderful thing. Does it make us smarter than anybody else? Does it make us better than anybody else? Does it make us more holy than anybody else? Quite frankly, we do all kinds of dumb things. If everybody listened to me, that would never happen. But we do. We're not, that's not like we're always doing everything smart or everything 100%. You know, come hang with us for a while. We're just as human as everybody else. Why is this taking off the way that it's taking off? We believe God is doing something special here. And we're so glad that you're a part of it. And again, we need to do something. But we're not going to panic. And we're not going to freak. That means you need to sit next to somebody that might have cooties and so be it. Okay? A little close, a little more slammed in than you want to be. That's Okay? It'll be fine. And if that means, you know, thank you guys for sitting out in the cafe. God bless you. Giving us some room here. But uh, uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. Trust me. And uh, something I just, I believe God is going to open up some cool doors. And we're going to move forward. Eventually. Now, we don't have to be in a rush. The other thing is we don't have to panic. We're only talking a few months here. You know, I plan to be here for a really long time. till you get really sick of me. All right. And, and I hope what we're doing here in Wisconsin spreads like a rash. And I, I hope before we're done, we're going to have thriving churches in Appleton, in Oshkosh, in Marinette, in Wausau, and just all over the place. Like the people say, where? Nick? Everywhere you turn, you see another one of these places popping up. Hallelujah. But it doesn't all have to happen today and it will happen as we continue to walk with God and trust him. Just remember, the biggest number one concern God has isn't so much what's the next thing we're going to do, it's who are we as a people. This is really the most important thing. What do we like in here? What do we like as people? Do we really care about each other? Are we loving the people even that we can't stand that irritate us? Are we, are we there? Are we supporting the church? Are we investing our funds in the church? And not just when we show up. But we're being consistent in all the different things that God's calling us to do. Because this is the will of God. Are you loving your wives? Are you treating like that girl making her feel like she's the most wonderful, important person on earth? Are you respecting your husband and believing in his hopes and dreams? Are you always reminding him what a loser he is? You know, this is the will of God. This kind of stuff. And that, that is what we'll stay focused on the most. The what to do next, I am confident. God will make that clear to us. And, and I believe it'll happen in the very new, near future. But even if it takes another year, we won't die. It will be fine. So hallelujah. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and our musicians to get ready to, uh, to serve us this morning. You know, it's wild. Is You say, well, is that campus thing really work it does in Stevens point right now they have the same problem we have in here they're absolutely jammed out they can't get anybody else in the door I mean they're having see how is that possible because this isn't about just one person this is about God doing something as a family of believers and advancing his kingdom well at the beginning of the uh, message I read to you this letter from a to dearest Jimmy 
But oh, this girl, I love you, I love you, I love you, because he won the lottery. Obviously, she had an ulterior motive. But I want you to know something this morning. God loves you, not for anything he can get out of you. He truly loves you. And what's amazing, he loves you in spite of you. In spite of the way you act sometimes. In spite of your sins, in spite of your failures. The Bible says God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still lost, rotten sinners, he died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up first and then offer to die. When we were at our worst, the world at its worst, he gave 100% for us. All motivated by love because he loves you. He cares about you. The real question is, will you respond to that love? Now, if Jimmy was smart, he'd have ripped up that letter and thrown it away and never called the girl again. But when God's writing you right now and calling you right now and saying, hey, I love you. I care about you. I want to forgive you. I want to make things right between you and me. Listen to what he's saying to you right now. And if you will accept his love into your life, you can begin your very first steps of faith today and you can start experiencing the will of God in the way that we've been talking about this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer together. If you're here for the very first time, I don't know, maybe you've been here for a long time. I don't know, but maybe you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ. If you will pray this prayer with us and really mean this, you can start your first steps of faith this morning. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. 